Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi-weekly download of life, liberty, and the latest in culture and news with your hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Nuzzo. Welcome to another episode of Spill the Tea. I'm Sal Nuzzo. With me is uh, JMI's CEO, Dr. Bob McClure. Uh, has it been an interesting couple of weeks? Holy smokes. And just as we're recording this, you have the now infamous and will probably long live in infamy, the uh, the leak at the U.S. Supreme Court of the Roe v. Wade decision. Or, or at least the, a draft the, the of draft yeah. of the majority opinion right. from Sam Alito. It's it's amazing. I think there are uh, there are a wealth of observations that come from this. One is it's the first time something like this has ever been leaked, and people are at this moment kind of conjecturing whether or not it was a person on the right or a person on the left. And I've heard very compelling theories for both. Right. On, uh, someone on the left who was very upset about the tenor or the direction of the majority opinion and wanted to kind of get it out there and cause a firestorm. But on the other side, I've heard a very compelling theory that it could be somebody on the right who is wanting to effectively lock in the five votes or potentially, depending on which way Roberts goes, uh, maybe get him into a sixth vote and is kind of using it from that vantage point. I have no idea. Yeah. I am not a constitutional scholar, but it is incredible drama. I think a couple, couple of things. One is it's, it is the state of our times. I mean, you go going back the last several years, you have the quote, mostly peaceful riots across the country. You have the establishment of the cancel culture. You have, um, People being uh, assaulted in restaurants, you know, uh, in Washington, D.C. You have uh, congressmen and women calling for people to be, um, you know, assaulted when they're out in public. Maxine Waters getting their face. Right. And even as we're recording this, uh, you have Dave Chappelle, who was uh, apparently attacked last night on stage by someone who disagreed with his views on, uh, you know, transgender sexuality or, you know, something like that. And it just kind of, we're seemingly in a constant tinderbox Mm -hmm. of emotions. And I, I, you know, I have to think that the idea of what had started out two decades ago as 24-7 news culture, which then morphed into 24-7 social media engagement, has now created this environment in which there is constant tension, there is constant explosiveness in people's emotions toward one another, and where we used to view someone's philosophies or viewpoints on political or policy issues, we now view them as attacks against us personally where words are quote-unquote violence. Right, right. And so uh, we have to really, you know, that's one of the issues that the James Madison Institute focuses on is this importance of, of dialogue among people who disagree, of free speech, of counter speech. You know, we have to, as a society, get back to those kinds of conversations, or we are going to kind of light ourselves on fire and 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 you know, immolate. And I would like to bring it back to a question of you know, kind of 
the policy implications right. should that majority decision be close to or or the sure. majority decision. You have states like California that uh, Governor Newsom, who is up for re-election this year, is now uh, said that he would propose the state use taxpayer dollars to provide subsidies for anyone outside of California from a state that has an abortion restriction to come to California to procure an abortion. So tax dollars from Californians would be going to that. You have a company uh, like Amazon, a private enterprise, right. uh, that's saying that they would be offering uh, that as an employee benefit to send their employees to states where uh, there were less restrictions or no restrictions. It is, you know, and the idea is, I think, overturning Roe v. Wade was always meant as a way to turn that issue over to state governments. It was never meant, and regardless of what the left wants to say, abortion will not be illegal no, in 50 states. No, it won't. And that's what's important to understand is that overturning Roe v. Wade does not uh, outlaw abortion in the 50 states. It simply moves it back to the state level where each of the 50 states will make their own decisions and make their case to the voters, which is what the founders and the Constitution envisioned with all of these kinds of issues. And there is another component to that that I think is important to understand is that it if you can, it, it, it is actually a good thing if you're pro-abortion, which I personally am not, but if you are, or if you're pro-life, that we're not just leaving all of these huge decisions in the hands of arbitrary judges. That in fact, you have to go back to the local level, and what I'm saying by the local level is the state level, make your case, it sharpens your argument, it sharpens your opinion, it, it promotes dialogue, and then the states decide. If California wants to do those things, they get to do those things. But and if the, some other state wants to outlaw abortion, that's the way the founders intended the republic to work. And then you have people voting with their feet or right. voting in and out state legislators who would reflect their views. And, the, and on the other side, you have basically the radical left wing of the Democratic Party, which is now on Twitter and on social media and on the news saying, we need to abolish the filibuster, right. even for even if they only abolish it for this one thing, mm -hmm. just to codify Roe v. Wade nationally. Right. And that, I think, is another inflection point, a ratcheting up of what you know it's is just transpiring it seems week after week on right. issue after issue and what we find with the left and i think the american people are tired and angry and exhausted by it is that every issue that doesn't go the way of the hard left is devastation is tragedy is the end of the world as we know it so whether it's elon musk taking over twitter or the Roe v. Wade opinion, or um, the fact that many of us still drive gas-guzzling SUVs. We've only got 12 years now left to save the planet. Uh, whether it's somebody saying something, simply uttering a statement that is that they disagree with, it is now all of a sudden 
utter and complete devastation. Not everything, Sal, in this world is utter and complete devastation, minute by minute, day, hour by hour, day by day. And I think the American people have said, you know what, I've had it. I've had enough of this. And what they are concentrating on is day-to-day pocketbook issues and, and inflation. Who is? Who is? The, the American people. Correct. Uh, so you've got inflation continuing to eviscerate the economy. Uh, we now have our first quarter with negative GDP right. growth. And yet, just this past, uh, whatever it was a few days ago, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, you've got Trevor Noah making a joke about inflation and the camera pans to the president seated seated at the head table and he's laughing hysterically. Right. And I gotta think this is just going to come back and bite the left as you know we get closer to November. That image is going to be on the minds of voters as they consider, you know, which platform, forget about a party, but which platform is going to better represent their economic interests because those are the things that they're paying attention to right now. Well, and the Correspondents' Dinner has gone the way of all, of the Oscars and all of the Academy Awards. I mean, up until um, um, uh, Will Smith hit Chris Rock, nobody watched the Oscars and nobody cared. And so uh, nobody's watching any of these um uh, award shows, and they're not watching the correspondence dinner. the The reality is, is that um, Joe Biden has not earned a private in the in the private economy a paycheck since before 1972. He's been paid by the government since the early 70s, so inflation doesn't affect him. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about that, and that's that image. I think you're right of him laughing hysterically at those kinds of things. And oh, by the way, everybody attending the White House Correspondents' Dinner was unmasked. But did you notice that all of the servers were still masked? I saw a photo of, uh, it wasn't the Correspondents' Dinner, it was the Met Gala, I think. But it was Hillary Clinton in this burgundy evening gown. And a servant or someone who was working the event was fixing her dress hem and was masked and she's smiling so whether it's the correspondence dinner or the met gala you see this divide culturally between the elite and the you know the not elite right and yes for thee yes for thee but not for me and and i i know it was a freudian slip but you actually called that person who addressed hillary's or who rearranged a servant yeah as opposed to a server that's right yeah that's exactly right it is so I, I, I do believe that uh, the Democratic Party is going to pay dearly in November. The question is, for another day, is the Republicans, when they get power, typically focus on taxes and judges and don't think big, yep. and they, they, uh, they waste away the opportunity to do the things that the American people call for. Now, you said the words pay dearly. Uh, we know that there is a, a, a crisis in our property insurance market mm-hmm. here. People are yep. paying dearly for uh, their homeowner's insurance. It is a function of an incredibly fraudulent litigation environment in the state, and the legislature is coming back right. in, uh, in a couple of weeks for a special session to try and address this. Um I think it would be helpful for folks, for them to kind of get an understanding of what 
the challenge is in a day-to-day environment and why this issue is kind of bubbled to the surface. Right. I'll take one issue, you take the other. The, I'll, I'll, and, and this, we don't know that all of this is going to be addressed in special session. We have high hopes, but we will see. The first issue is that uh, the state of Florida has was supposed to be the insurer of last resort. But under citizens, it has become the insurer of first resort. And what I mean by that is it continues to grow because it has the ability to undercharge, to subsidize uh, in a market insurance economy the pay for, for, for property insurance. And so people flock to where prices are lower and they're going to places like citizens. That's one issue. So... Uh, insurance companies are fleeing the state because market forces are not at work and they are losing money. And God forbid we have a year where we have eight hurricanes like we did in the early 2000s Mm -hmm. or something like that. They are going to go out of business. So one issue that's important is fixing citizens and restoring market forces to the property insurance market. And and then you have the issue of what's driving the private market premium increases. And this is basically uh, another version of the litigation scam that has been impacting Florida over the last 20, 25 years. And so the way that this has been working in the last couple of years is related to roof repairs. And because of the regulatory mechanisms on homeowners insurance, there's some nuances with how uh, much an insurer can or is on the hook for roof repair from wind damage. And so here's how the scam works. You have a person that is a contractor, uh, a bad actor. They they advertise or go up to a person's home and say, hey, uh, I'd like to offer you a free roof inspection and and, uh, it won't cost you anything. And if we can uh, work with your homeowner's insurance policy, we'll go and do roof repairs and you won't even have to pay for it. And a person says, well, yeah, sure, go inspect my roof. They go up, they kick around a few shingles, and then they say, yeah, you've got wind damage. And it's a result of this, uh, this covered incident, which is fraudulent. They then replace an entire roof on a home. They bill an insurance company, and the insurance company rightly says, whoa, wait a minute, we're not covering this. We didn't do an inspection. Right, right. We didn't have an adjuster. We we need to be a part of this, uh, this process. And they deny the claim, and then that bad actor who is already partnered with a trial attorney then goes and sues the insurance company. What happens is those cases, because there's so many of them around the state, they they get settled because the insurance companies are on the hook right. for legal fees. And so in the end, consumers end up paying. This is a fact of the fraudulent litigation environment in the state. And so what happens is an insurance company passes those uh, those fees on to consumers in the form of higher premiums, which then feeds your what you unpacked. It pushes more and more people into Citizens Property Insurance Corp. Right. And, and it's a huge issue. It's very complicated. And it's easily demagogued. I mean, yes. people don't love their insurance companies. Okay, They're not considered warm and fuzzy. We've all, we've, all of us have had issues, whether it's car insurance or home insurance, where we felt like the insurance companies were either slow walking us 
or um, you know saying no, you know we're, we're going to pay. You know, you say X, we're paying X minus ten thousand or X minus yep. you know three percent or whatever. So they don't help themselves. But the reality is that this market is going to blow up in the face of state taxpayers in in the form of assessments. Uh, assessments. That's exactly right. So let's hope for the best on special session that uh, they begin to kind of turn this aircraft carrier or a fraud right. around right. and begin to right the ship there. Uh, just the other day, Ohio primary mm-hmm. uh, for the U.S. Senate seat, J.D. Vance, who at one point in his political evolution had been a never-Trumper back a few years ago, then becomes a rabid Trumper, gets the Trump endorsement, goes from fifth place in the in the primary to winning it outright. He's going to face off against Tim Ryan, a congressman from uh, Ohio. Big news in terms of what this says about the dynamic with um, how much influence a either Donald Trump or a uh, an endorsement from him carries. It's interesting, and I haven't been able to sort it out yet because while it helped J.D. Vance, and during that primary night in the states of Indiana and Ohio, Donald Trump endorsed 22 candidates, and all 22 finished in first oh, place. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. But then you look at the state of Georgia where he has endorsed David Perdue, but Brian Kemp, the current governor, uh, two gentlemen in the Republican primary. Uh, Brian Kemp is running well ahead of David Perdue in that primary, which I, I, it's hard to understand. You know, I think a lot of times we don't give the American people enough credit for making intelligent decisions. But in this case, it seems that they're parsing out his endorsements and making decisions on their own. Because it does, if I remember correctly, Purdue actually went further down in the polls after the endorsement mm. against Kemp. So right. it could be the power of incumbency. It could be they got enough of Brian Kemp when he ran for the U.S. Senate and they were already. Purdue, David Purdue, Purdue, Purdue yeah. was already. Uh, they were already kind of turned off from him, but uh, definitely it's, a case. And it's for the quality that. of the candidate. I believe yeah. that. I believe that. You know, that the old adage, the Tip O'Neill adage that all politics is local is still somewhat true. The ability to campaign and focus on issues that matter to people. Absolutely. Uh, Let's shift to uh, culture and sports. Uh, Yankees in uh, first place in the AL East. I will say it as a lifelong uh, Yankees fan. It it warms my heart, but uh, September and October are a long way away. Yeah. Can they hold through the summer? Do they have enough pitching, Sal, to... uh, to win the division and to keep moving. The Rays are strong again. We're going to have to see the Red Sox. You know, it's going to be an interesting summer. If you had asked me that question in 1997, I would have a definitive answer for you. And yes, they would have enough pitching. Uh, now, I'm not so sure. We'll have to see after the All-Star break. Um, Elon Musk is uh, going a little wild on Twitter. Uh, I'm seeing lots of hysterical tweets. He is pushing back against kind of the the left's cancel uh, culture cancel culture the, yes. the incendiary nature of what they're bringing to his purchase of of Twitter we still have a few months before the sale goes through or is closed uh, but um, I'm liking what I'm seeing on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, the, the whole idea of quote content moderation end quote on Twitter we're seeing um, that I think Elon is going to 
completely get rid of that idea, this idea now that the federal government, as soon as Elon Musk uh, took over or, or was about to buy Twitter, they set up the, what was it, the Board of... Disinformation Dis- Board. Yeah. So, you know, to believe that we're living in a brave new world and 1984 is upon us uh, has become cliche, but cliches can often be true. And those are scary things. I don't think... I think now that Elon is going to take over Twitter, the whole content moderation aspect is going to go away. I think the board of disinformation ultimately is going to go away. I don't think it's going to make it because, A, the person who's running it's track record is atrocious. It's lunacy. And secondly, I just don't think they can withstand the fury of the American people. So, uh, you know, what Elon Musk is doing is is one of the great things maybe in American history. Well, and, and to see folks try to uh, turn this into, you know, Elon could have solved world hunger with 40-something right. billion. He could have done this with, with 40-something billion. I, I think it was Dave Rubin. It may have been somebody else, but, but tweeted, the federal government is spending $4 trillion a year in its budget, and they can't solve right. these things. What makes you think a private citizen's role is to do that? And secondly, right. uh, there was a great interview with uh, Kevin O'Leary from the Shark Tank on, I think it was Bill Maher, where he was talking about, think about all of the millions and millions of people that Elon Musk has empowered, employed, propelled forward with the advancement of his, whether it's an empire or his billions, he's done far more than the federal government will ever do promoting uh, economic prosperity. That's why we at the James Madison Institute believe so strongly in free market capitalism. And to that end, we can land on a great Netflix documentary I just caught that uh, really exemplifies the American dream, free markets, and the ability to chart one's uh, own course unlike any place else in the world. I just caught uh, the Tony Hawk documentary called uh, Until the Wheels Fall Off. Now, this like struck a nerve for me because I was a skater when I was you know 10 to 15, uh, and then I got my driver's license. I had a Tony Hawk skateboard. He was like a little bit of a hero um, you know, growing up because he was this tall, skinny, lanky kid who managed to do these tricks that just defied physics. Uh, but the backstory to this is that when Tony Hawk figured out a way that someone with his athletic ability, i.e. not very much at the age of 12, could do these things. He was able to establish himself, establish skateboarding as a viable sport in a competitive sense, build an an actual tour, make millions of dollars off of this, employ thousands of people, and 40 years later, the guy is in his 50s. He still skates, although he's he's you know a little bit right, worn for right, the for right. the weather, but he still skates. He's built an empire that's tens of millions of dollars. It is a great testament to the power of ingenuity, of innovation, of of hard work, of market economies, that this was all able to happen in a place like you know, here at a time like then. 
you know, as bad as times may seem right now, something like that and watching that made me think, all right, there, there's a ray of hope. Only in America. Only the in American America. Dream. The American Dream. Yep. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Spill the Tea. Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute, follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.